When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, wait, that's for a different bumper. This is Sonny Hollywood Pooney from Podcast Rock City, and you are listening to the Shout It Out Loudcast. They are a million to one. Hello? 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 Yes, uh, we had some fireworks that were left over from, yeah. from the 4th of July, and I blew one off in my hand. Oh, hello, can I help you? Hello, oh boy, listen, I was lighting firecrackers that were left over from the 4th of July, and I blew... When did you do this? Oh, about a little while, half okay. an hour. Okay, what kind of firework? It was a firecracker. Okay. It looked like, you know, when you finish with the toilet paper, the empty tube? Yes. It looked like that, about that size. Okay. And, uh... It's not a firecracker, that's like an M80 deck. Oh, boy, it's big, and it, uh, my hand does not look good. I suggest that you go to an emergency room and get immediate attention. Yeah, this was a firecracker and the fuse, and all of a sudden... What you can do in the meantime is get a oh, towel. Fantastic. A towel? A clean, something clean. Okay. It doesn't have a lot of lint on it. It's yeah. was in the house, it's preferred. You know what's funny? I It's stinging me like crazy. Okay, in the meantime, just wrap your hand in a, something like a gauze, something that doesn't yes. have lint on it. Okay. You know, these firecrackers, my God, I can't even... Really, I'll tell you, I don't even see fingers, but maybe it's just because I'm numb and stinging. Just get a gauze, something that doesn't have flint, something clean, oh, gauze. Okay. Get hand and get to an emergency. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I really did it good this time. Okay. Okay, let me wrap this up, and I'll see you with my nub. Okay. Right. Hello. Hey, what's up there, Kiss Army? It's Tom and Zeus with another episode of Shout It Out Loud cast. Episode 78. Spirit of 76 tour Other than having your finger Blown off Because you were holding like an M80 How are you 
Huh. Oh, it's the 4th of July, everybody. Well, not right now, but when you listen to this, happy 4th of July. And what better way to celebrate than with uh, some iconic periods in history, the spirit of 76, a very timely topic. And I'm uh, going to give a little bit of shout out to our friend and occasional co-host Murph for uh, inspiring us a little bit here. Yeah, it was Murph's suggestion. I'll be honest, talking about, hey, why don't you guys talk about the 76th poster and tour uh, for 4th of July? And then uh, Tom elaborated on this. And basically what we've decided to do is come up with a new segment. And that segment's going to be the tours. Yep. And we're going to follow uh, a schedule, an organizational little chart, because my OCD. And we're going to talk about the tours going through. Just like album reviews or compilations or solo albums. And we're starting it off on the 4th of July episode in the spirit of 76, the bicentennial, Tom. That's right. Yep. No, good stuff. Everybody knows this poster and this tour and the album. So uh, very timely topic for sure. Okay. So that being said, what's going on in Kiss World? Uh, so we celebrated the birthday of, uh, love gun this past week. It was the anniversary of that. It was uh, a January, June 30th, uh, 1977. So that was cool. And then, uh, everybody's been getting involved online on Twitter and Facebook with, uh, kisses, new release of the double platinum collection on KissOnline.com, which the items are cool. I just don't understand it. Double Platinum came out in 78. It's not like it's a anniversary. It's the 42nd anniversary. I don't understand that. But some of the items, if you're a Kiss collector like myself, if you are into vinyl, Nerd! Nerd! they're releasing some killer vinyl, some cool T-shirts, some cool merchandise. It's unique stuff. So a lot of people are uh, into that. I don't know if you've checked out some of the stuff, Zeus. Is it limited? The the as far as I know, the limited the only limited thing that they had was a a picture disc where each side so two albums, each side of the disc was a face. So one was like Paul and Gene, the other one was like Ace and Peter. That sold out. The other picture disc okay. that they came out with, that does not appear to be a limited edition, and that has like the four faces on each side as opposed to the other one had like one face on each side. But everything else you know, seems to be pretty cool. Some of the t-shirts are actually pretty neat, but you know, more kiss stuff to take your money for you. The fan, <laughs> you, the fan. Exactly. Um, exactly. No, I saw it. I knew you would jump and be excited to see that kind of stuff. Yep. The couple other things near and dear to me that came up in the news. And that is number one, our boys, our boys from when we were in college, Beavis and Butthead will be back. And we, we know who and who, had, and, who else, uh, and who else is back because with that, yeah, the mandal loving, uh, <laughs> uh, cargo short wearing, name dropping, best friend of Ace Frehley. And this comes from the fact that I am so close with Ace, better known as Stewart. He's back, baby. That's right. Me and you really watched it when we were at Stonehill in college, and we're dying about the episode. We would. Do the usual tape it, put it on a VHS, go into the house. And then in our big suite, we had this big, huge ass TV that we rented from Rent-A-Center. And we yep. all pitched in with fucking empties of beer cans and stuff and paid for it. And we would pop in the Beavis and Butthead movies and conversation stuff and just repeat the lines and laugh. 
And uh, I think that's where our affinity for the Stuart character came in. Yep. No, it's 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 awesome. It's interesting because it's going on Comedy Central. Mike Judge is going to be back there at it, so uh, that's going to be fun. And I'm seeing a lot of people on Twitter and Facebook excited. You know, obviously people our age are excited to see that coming back because Beavis and Butthead were just iconic with their humor. But everybody knows that the best part of those episodes was when they would watch videos and yeah. comment on them. That's just the I, the epic epic laughter that they had there. Well, so. I think our text group, which includes guys like. Steve from Potter Than Hell, our good buddy Sonny, Pooney, uh, Tony from Restrained. I think they're all going to be butthurt because all those jokes at the expense of their bands that they like <laughs> will be displayed again. <laughs> where stewards walk around with winger shirts. And so that we don't, mean you, don't have to fucking flip out on a group text exchange when we're going through with them late. Was it last night or the night before where we're like, Aerosmith and Led Zeppelin, they're like, eh, eh. And I'm like, you motherfuckers want to fucking brag to the fucking hilltops about the brilliance of groups like Winger and fucking uh, Bullet Boys. And House of Lords. (laughs) And House of Lords. And are like, meh, on Aerosmith and Led Zeppelin. Eh, doesn't really do it for me. That's uh, Jimmy Page. Now nah, he's not that good. The fuck you follow metal and be like, yeah, Aerosmith, Led Zeppelin. Nah. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, I love it. Now our friends don't even aren't even safe from the podcast. Oh, God. Oh, what man. the fuck? Oh. Anyways, I just I, 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 <laughs> the whole winger thing with the Stuart shirt and stuff. That's why me and you laugh. Oh, yeah. They'll be texting like, oh, did you hear the new? The third, uh, the third album from Britney Fox, and we're like, dude, <laughs> I didn't even know they had more? three. <laughs> yeah, like after girl school. I mean, no offense, but you know, it's just, and, and we're like, we're the odd ones out, me and you. I know we are. I think we're nuts that we're not like, oh. Go out and buy the new fucking, uh, I don't know, give me a band. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because now I'm trying to think. It's like, oh, give me that new, uh, <laughs> I was just going to make another fucking keel joke, but he's always the butt of my jokes because it's always the first thing that pops into my head. Poor keel. He's never done anything to me. I don't even really know his music, but or, like, or, or, oh, uh, I got the solo. Solo effort by the bassist from the Bullet Boys third album release. Oh, have fun with that. Oh, have, have you heard that acoustic version by the uh, the, the the backup vocalist from Kicks? <laughs> Saigon. Saigon. <laughs> Has an unplugged album coming out next week. Yeah. It's them at the fucking subway down the street playing with a fucking bucket out for tips. Somebody with a fucking tape recorder taped it and like, oh, let's release this. You realize, you realize, you realize after this, we're gonna get kicked out of the text chat with all our friends. Like, Half of our listeners are probably like, what are you talking about? That's that's a fucking great record. What are you talking about? Yeah, by the way, that, that you just I don't know about you. Maybe if I do that, I don't I I, can't, I don't have to catch myself. I, I don't I don't like when people say, oh, it's a great record. No, it's a good album. 
record. <laughs> like I, I just, you I, don't I just like feel, the term record. You no, because it sounds like I don't know. It's like oh, it's a, it's a ter- they've released ter- some terrific records. It's the same people that say <laughs> it's the same people say oh, it's one of my favorite films. No, no, it's a movie. It's a movie. <laughs> you don't, you don't like the terminology you're saying. No, it's like old fashioned. No, that's our, my rant. What else can we bitch oh, about? <laughs> well, I just saw this talkie last night. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was this action talkie. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Talkie. <laughs> oh, anyways. Um, oh, man. Now I got a headache. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get shit for fucking shitting on these bands. It's okay. That's all right. We, lo- we love everybody. Anyway, anyway, anyway. And then the second thing, I'll get back to this. Was uh, I want to talk about the video did come out for Quarantine's Heart of Chrome. Mm-hmm. Fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Chris oh and God. the gang did a great job. Uh, the video's hilarious. And I I texted him, remember? And I'm yep. like, that's got to be a nod to Domino. And he was like, totally. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. With the, sh- with the shake. around in yep. the shake. Yep. And he's like, yep. Uh, fucking hilarious. Makes when you see these, these videos, I don't know why, but a performance video, some reason, makes you like the song more, and the riff just sounds killer. And of course, everybody's favorite, favorite member, not in Kiss right now, but Bruce Kulick, awesome. The riffs in there, and just watching when he does his lead work, just kick ass. They did such a great job. Yeah, the band is just amazing. I mean, in this one, obviously, had Bruce. But those other guys are, they just sound amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a really great job. And, and I, think, I um, yeah, PJ was in uh, trickster and fucking, and what's his name there? Um, Ken uh, plays for uh, the country guy that you like, even though I don't like his country. Luke I don't Ryan. like him. I don't like Luke. Ryan. Yeah. Um, I know who he is, Ryan, but I'm not a fan. Yeah. Guinness was in uh classic 78. Classic 78. Right? Yep. And yep. Uh, all great guys. And then of course the, the one and only Bruce Kulik. Chris, really, in the gang, they knocked it out of the park. I thought it was fan-fucking-tastic. Yeah, and it uh, keeps making you wait for the next one because they keep, they, they're keep keeping up with these deep cuts. So I, I can't it. wait, to see, can't wait to see what's next. Yep. Yep. And so there was one other thing of KISS uh, news that we want to discuss. And I'm going to put this in your lap. Okay. So last week we introduced a new character called <laughs> Pan- Pandemic Paul. And it's amazing because it's almost oh, as who is pandemic Paul Paul Stanley okay. Twitter Twitter Paul Stanley <laughs> okay. and it's almost as if he knows we're making fun of him because it's like he's scripting his own material here. So <laughs> last week we, we last week we recorded on a Wednesday. We, we, we usually record on Wednesdays now. So last week was uh, Wednesday. It was it um, sounded like was well, last last week we can't know a Halloween fell on a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> So right after we recorded, Paul Stanley retweeted something from CNN about with about Anderson Cooper pretty much bashing Trump about the virus. Okay, fine, whatever. But then again, Paul Stanley did it again. Right after he retweeted it, he said, I didn't mean to retweet what is below. Somehow, by accident, I did. But guess what? Solid opinions come from listening to both sides and then forming an educated point of view. Whatever. First of all, Paul, I don't care what you tweet or retweet about politics. That doesn't matter. Why are you apologize? Again, you're apologizing. And you can't retweet something by accident. 
yeah. you have to press two buttons to retweet something. Yeah. So again, again with the with with the with the political apologies, either fucking say something that you mean or don't. Um, I have I, more. I, I, I have more on pandemic, Paul. Go ahead on that if you want to. But I, I just wanted to say, like, you're right. He, he's the one that says, you know, go one side or the other. What's that saying that he always does? Or get out. Yeah. Oh, you like lo- you like Kiss? Great. You love Kiss? Great. You hate us? That's great too. You're in the middle somewhere. Get out. Yeah. So exactly. I don't think what he said is controversial. I don't either. But I get the feeling he should be listening to people like. Jamie Foxx and others that say celebrities like, dude, do not read, do not read your comments, do not read your comment section. It will mess you up. Yep. Stay away. He can't help himself. He reads them Yep. and he sees the backlash and that's why he's changing his opinion. He's got to stay away from his, his comments. Either that, either that or have the balls to defend your statement. If if he say it. If he agrees with what Anderson Cooper tweeted, then great. That's his right. But then don't come back and say, oh, that was an accident. I didn't mean to do that. Well, okay, really? But, you know, it's just you got to understand, like, buddy, you can't be doing these things. And then reading your comments, especially with his fragile psyche, Mm -hmm. he can't handle that criticism. Mm -hmm. Stay away. Either read, retweet. And then just stay away from the comments. Turn off the notifications. You can t- exactly. when, when you tweet something, you can turn off the notifications so you never have to hear about anything. Exactly. Just <laughs> stick to that because you're too sensitive to hear anything else. And that's just how I see it. But go ahead. And then speaking of sensitivity, so then so then uh, our buddy Gene Simmons from Kiss. He tweeted a picture of the of the band um, in plain clothes. They all look like silly, wearing like weird outfits. And it was a picture of uh, of the band with J.R. Smalling. And Gene wrote a long time ago with J.R. Smalling, our first road manager. Paul retweets that and lit- and says nothing about J.R. Smalling. He comments on the outfit that he's wearing in the picture. He's like, wow, that's not a dress. What an outfit. I have to laugh. It's some sort of long shirt over my jeans. Okay, that's what you have to say about that picture? You still haven't said a word about J.R. Smalling. Your buddy Gene does, and your only observation is what you're fucking wearing in the picture. There's pandemic Paul number two piss off. Yeah, the but is he really worse or better than Paul? Gene, because Gene, if you're going to put something in and mention him by name, uh, and I was going to say something, God bless his soul. I was going to say that peace. too. I was going to say, say that. something courteous like that. Why yep. even bring his name up? If you can bring his name up, then you have no hatred towards him. Because why I agree. are you advertising? Why would you put the picture in? Then if you did, then why aren't you just saying God bless him? I and, noticed that too. And you're it right. Just, it just it goes back to them really being sheltered. And whoever's you know, I don't know if that's Keith LaRue or whoever else is close to them is not communicating with him. Or maybe they are and they're like, fuck it. We don't care. Like no one is sitting and saying, dude, you realize your fans don't like this and this doesn't come across. Where's his publicist or someone to say, dude, you you have fans and they're not liking that you're mentioning this guy, but you don't mention to say rest in peace. Or if you do hear it and you're like, well, I have the prerogative not to screw it. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, then good luck. And then Paul continues to he post pictures of him on his bike, whatever. Then he gets <laughs> I, I can't even pandemic. He looks like he's fucking Pee- he makes Pee Wee Herman look cool on his bike. He's looking like Tiny Tim. 
<laughs> the guy with the ukulele. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, with like the hairdo and the bike, and it just. Oh. So then he continues even worse with the fucking mashup game shit. Mash up a band or a performer's name with a movie or a Broadway show and give a backstory. Here's my example. My fair lady Gaga. <laughs> Dude, you're fucking Paul Stanley. But then it doesn't end. Then he goes into Rod Stewart Little. Then he goes into Sweeney Todd Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, now I'm like crying because this is What you talking about, Willis? I'm sorry. <laughs> and then and then I'll stop because I'm piling on here, but I don't care. And then it ends with recently he posts a picture of the singer Benny Mardones. Who, if anybody knows who he is, he had a huge hit in the 70s with a song called Into the Night. Very, you know, cool song, maybe kind of falls not into that. Not the A song. Right, not the right, not the A song. You know, soft rock, you know, may, might even call it yacht rock for those people that are into that. Good song. I don't know much about him other than that. But this is, but then Paul says in a tweet, so sad to hear of the passing of Benny Mardones, a lovely guy, always warm to me and a great voice. Benny lived hard in the last decade, was cruel. My condolences to his family. <clears throat> With all due respect to Benny Mardonis, and may he rest in peace, how the fuck did we not get one of those from Bob Kulik or J.R. Smalling? And that's a rhetorical question because I know the answer to it. And Paul gives it away in his tweet when he says, a lovely guy, always warm to me. Exactly. Benny Mardonis treated Paul nice. So Paul is now going to do a condolence tweet to him, whereas Bob and Jr. may not have been nice. So fuck them. So it's not that they haven't maybe not been nice. It's that, dude, everybody has their ups and downs. You've been into fights. You've been to the point where you don't even talk to Gene. Are you mm-hmm. not going to say something nice when he passes? It's just a matter of like, does he need it? I, and I hope this isn't true. Like he doesn't need to give his condolences to this guy. No, but it makes him look good and it's easy and he can do it. So but bring, he's but thinking to, but let me just finish. He's I'm like, sorry. I don't think he needs to give his condolences for Bob or JR. So he's like, well, I don't need to do it. Fuck that. He doesn't care. Like, there's no like urgent, like he's going to get yelled at. It's just a kind of a dick thing not to do. And I think he just feels like, you know, I've Paul Stanley. I've got to this point in my life. I've earned the fact that I don't need to do it. So fuck it. I'm not. Okay. But for some, but, but, but for, but for somebody like me, and I know in our text group, we brought it up to me, this is almost, and, and again, rest in peace to, to Benny Mardonis and his family. But to me, Paul going out of his way to, to, to tweet a, a condolence is a very heartfelt condol. It highlights the fact that he, did not do this for J.R. Smalling and Bob Kulik. And I think mm-hmm. it brings it brings it back to what you said. Sheltered, not paying attention to your fan base, not paying attention to what what fans want. And again, I'll say it for the millionth time. You can grieve however you want and you don't owe us anything. I'm just saying as a fan, it looks bad and it brings attention to the fact that you you ignored condolences for people that were important to the band. Which brings me to my overarching point, and I'm going to wrap this up, and we'll get into the okay. topic. I honestly don't think that Paul cares about Kiss anymore, and I'm going to tell you why. 
Oh, I'm going to tell you why. It's a hot take. I'm going to tell you what. There is nothing on his Twitter feed within the last week about Kiss. Not one thing other than him commenting on that picture six days ago that Gene t- tweeted with them and J.R. Smalling in plain clothes. He doesn't acknowledge the anniversary of Love Gun. He doesn't uh, acknowledge the an- a, a, a tour, an album, an outfit. He doesn't even talk about Kiss. If you followed Paul Stanley on Twitter, and didn't know anything about Kiss, you would never know he was in the band. Yeah. And for a, and for a band whose tour has been canceled or postponed, that's bizarre to me. Because every other musical artist that we follow on social media, they are constantly talking about their, their music, their band, their material, how they miss the fans. We're, he, we're getting none of that from him. Yeah, I mean, Pandemic Paul, as you baptized him, um, is uh, having a rough go of it because everyone else is seeing this side of it. And it's just not, it's not very likable. Nope, it's not. And, you know, even like the, the during this time, even that like interview you did with Richard Marks, when Richard Marks brought up, hey, you know whose voice is really good still? Steven Tyler. And he just looks so small by not saying anything. And he, the Richard Marks like, what? You don't like? And he's like, right. Just sits there and like smiling, like think it's fun. I hate to say it, Paul. If you ask the rock community, you'll probably lose that battle ninety to ten percent. Oh yeah, Steven Tyler is loved and adored. You are not going to win a PR battle against him. No, nope. Aerosmith has. I and I'm not saying they're better because they're not. Aerosmith has a lot more credibility. They've sold more albums. They've they're a bigger band. They're yeah. not better. They're a bigger band than you. And Steven Tyler doesn't have really people that hate him. Like you've pissed off a few people along the way. He's not as sensitive. You're not going to win that battle. Like it's just things like that. I don't understand why he has to do it. And, you know, I guess it's one of those things where he'll, like I said, he's earned it. I've got to this point in my life. If I don't need to do it. But the problem is he does worry about it. That shit. That shit does bother him. You can act like he doesn't, but it, 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 in the end, it'll show. So Pandemic Paul is still out there getting on my, my partner's last nerve. Anything else? Or you want to get on to uh, more stuff? Uh, not, no more kiss news for me. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. That that's okay. you know that that's about it. Um, we can talk we can talk a little bit about previous episode if you want. Get into yeah, that, please. Okay, so okay, we so, did a poll. What was yeah, the poll? Yeah, we did a poll. So we did the 20th Century Masters Best of Kiss Millennium Collection Volume One, spanned from the the first uh, you know, up until Dynasty. So as the episode, we talked about songs that weren't on it. So the poll was what song, which, which of these is the best song that's missing from the collection? And the choices were Shock Me, Cold Gin, Shout It Out Loud, and Black Diamond. Black Diamond got 37% of the vote. Shout It Out Loud got 25. Shock Me got 23. And surprisingly, Cold Gin came in last. Really? Yeah, I was surprised. I don't know if that's a fatigue thing or or what. Um, okay. But I, I thought that was interesting. I mean, Black Diamond, the fan favorite. I mean, that that that's becoming like everybody's favorite song just because it's so amazing. Um, but yeah, yeah. so the, the, those were the those were the uh, the poll results. But I thought that was interesting. We did get um, a uh, YouTube um, <laughs> uh, comment from, I think it was from uh, Devin Dugan. Yep. If I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, awesome episode, guys. We, you know, Twitter, uh, YouTube comments are few and far between because, you know, it's just a clip of our logo and then the whole episode. So it's not like action shot photos of me and Tom arguing about kissing our underoos. And then we also got some Facebook stuff. Steve Vargo. Great. Hey guys, great episode. The review was well done. And I agree. It's a decent starter kit for the casual fan. Um, on a side note, I cannot tell which impression of Ace is better. You both crack me up. Now <laughs> pandemic Paul, I'm dying. <laughs> Smiley face. Nice. Bill Sharp. Does anyone here consider this part of the official Kiss catalog? I don't because these are available for various artists. Okay, interesting. Yep. Our friend Kevin Jepson, OMG, we need a pandemic Paul t shirt. <laughs> I can just picture it him wearing a cape with a big P on his chest. Pandemic Paul, hashtag four or five fucking smiley faces. <laughs> Hilarious. You get anything from Twitter? Yes, so we got something from Twitter from a user by the name of Stealth, and uh, yeah. he, he says, I always enjoy your album review episodes. You guys always bring your own brand of unironic honesty and authority of sorts to the thing. Great work. Thank you, Stealth. Nice words there. Top Jimmy commenting about how we talked about the album cover. He goes, Ace always looks like he's thinking about something else. <laughs> <laughs> That's Murph. Another one from Murph that brought it to my attention. And then we got a uh, username. My Maserati does 185. 
That's his that's his username. He says he posts a close up. You know what the, that's from, right? Yeah. Um the Joe Walsh song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he he posts a, a, a zoomed in photo of Ace looking away and he goes, My man is always indifferent. Love it, Ace. <laughs> and then we got some lists from our and buddies. Just, hey Tom, just yeah. to add by that on yeah. the Murph thing. Yeah, go so ahead. Murph is the one that brought to my attention that if you look at a lot of the early photos and Ace in the makeup. He's never looking. He's the only one never looking into the camera. Always yep. looking like he's literally spaced out looking somewhere else. Yep. And Murph is right. I'm like, holy shit. And that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. No. And then we got a couple lists from um, our buddies, uh, Steve and uh, and Deuce. Uh, Murph jumps in. Solid ep- episode, gents. And then he does a quote from every photographer, probably saying, Ace, please look at the camera once in a while. <laughs> um, our buddy Lance Lumley had a comment about our question last week, which was based on the favorite non-makeup um, era item. Uh, he talks about the first history book. Um, he said a the Crazy Nights tour book. He ha- he has that. Um, so that's, nice. that's, a pretty, that's, a, that's a pretty cool one. Um, so, you know, great stuff as always, the interaction, we love it. We love the feedback everywhere from whether it's Twitter, Facebook, emails, YouTube, it's all great stuff. So thank you for all that. Yeah. So great feedback. Thank you. And then now, uh, what we usually end up doing is getting a little hot and bothered. And when we get hot and bothered, we tend to, uh, go to a website, Tom, where do we go? Yeah, and I'm a little hot and bothered here after this, so we, I got to calm down. But first, I got to I got to take care of this by going to AdamandEve.com because free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up your bedroom is even better. Select almost any one item for fifty percent off, and then Adam and Eve loads on the free stuff. Use promo code Loudcast at checkout and get ten tantalizing free gifts: a sexy item for him, a special gift for her. And a third item you will both enjoy. And don't forget those six free spicy movies and free shipping. That is promo code loudcast at checkout at adameve.com. Woo! Yeah. Now, so Murph gave us this idea, and the idea is let's start rap talking about KISS tours. Yep. Perfect timing. KISS tour. Spirit of 76. This was the year of the bicentennial, Tom. Yep. From 1776 to 1976. Yep. 200 year anniversary. That's right. Of the United States. Of America. (laughs) (laughs) For you, the Americans. Uh, That's so (laughs) stupid. (laughs) Anyways, so this was a big thing. For us, and for, I don't know, I, maybe I'm speaking for myself, I shouldn't say us, but when I think of this tour, when I think of this era, era I think of the poster. And I think I brought this up when we had our first episode, Wouldn't You Like to Know Me? Uh, the first interaction, the first uh, memory I have of KISS you're talking about four or five years old was going to my crazy older cousin Mike's house and seeing the basically spirit of 76 kiss photo, the poster, he had it on his wall. And I was like, what the fuck? I'll never forget where it was in his room, where I saw it, what I thought about it. It was awesome. I would stare at it and just 
look at the makeup and look at them like, oh my God, like something that scares you, but you're attracted to it. Like you're scared of snakes, but you want to kind of see what it does and look at it. I was hooked. And so when I think of Spirit of 76, I think of that tour and everything. I think of the poster. That's the first iconic thing that comes to me. How about you? Oh, absolutely. And I think we, you know, Kiss fans have always kind of had this discussion. It's arguably got to be the most iconic image or poster group poster that they've ever put out. I mean, it's just an indelible image of the band. It, it, and I'm lucky enough to, I have a, I have a copy of it in a frame in my basement, hanging up on my kiss bar and like a little kid, I occasionally just look at it and I'm like, that's fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it's interesting because I don't know if a lot of people know this. I mean, I, I hope people do, but that, that poster is based on an actual painting called the spirit of 76. Yep. It was painted by Mr. Archibald Willard. Okay. It was exhibited at the first Centennial Expedition in Philadelphia in 1876. Um, right now, the paint, the original painting is actually hanging in um, Abbott Hall in Marblehead, Massachusetts. So, Ooh. It, yep. So it's actually in it's in Massachusetts as we speak. Um, so when Willard was making this painting, he was searching for models whose faces would express the courage and determination of the early patriots. Um, he used his own father as a model for the drummer. And he used a farmer soldier that he knew as the Pfeiffer. And um, the young drummer was a, a schoolboy that he knew um, or that, or that was, that was, you know, from the area or whatever. Um, visitors from all nations have been moved by what has been called the world's quote, most inspiring patriotic painting. So, it is it is pretty amazing when you look at when you look at that original painting and if you google spirit of 76 painting yep. you you will see that peter chris is playing the role of that drummer you know that 13 star flag is in the background it's just just whoever came up with that idea it's just an amazing image yeah oh no i agree i always thought that was a junt that was a turnbull that famous painter do you know what you i'm talking about Oh no! Yeah, yeah, no. It, it's, uh, John uh, Turnbull, I think. Is oh, his I know. Yep, yeah, I know you. He talking did about. a lot of the old, um, uh, you know, like he did the Declaration. Yep. Famous photos. I think I know he did you, one of Washington. Yep. John Turnbull. Yep. Yeah, I always thought it was him that did that photo, but yeah, the image is famous. He had the guy with the headband bleeding and stuff. And yep. Uh, who's that guy? Friggin' something. Caesar Caesar Rodney. He was uh, one of the uh, delegates to the declaration. He always, he's always pictured when they do the declaration. He had that headband and his head was bleeding. Yep. And like on his deathbed, he was like there to the declaration to make sure the declaration of independence got ratified. If you watch the movie, what do you call it? 1776. He's always pictured as a sickly old man and stuff. Yep. And that image always made me think of this guy in the, in the original photo. And then obviously Peter Chris with the, Headband and the bleeding headband yep. around his head. Um, the one that you have in your room, in your bar room, is, is Ace looking into the camera? No, it's funny you say that because I have the kiss calendar that I have for the month of July. It has this paint, this uh, poster, but it has an alternate view of Ace looking at the camera, but kind of with his head down, like looking out. The original, the the poster print that everybody knows about Mm-hmm. Is the one of Ace laughing and uh, thanks again, Murph, for making us notice. Not yep, looking, not exactly. looking, not looking at the camera. It's like he's holding on to Gene to 
fucking stand up, which is probably the truth. You know, and then you get Gene with one of the all-time great menacing looks. Peter looks fucking kick ass with that drum and that bloody headband. And then yeah. Paul, Paul Stanley, just a ballsy star child pose. And you get that flag behind him. Yep. Yeah. I, yeah. Obviously, that's what we think about. Yep. So that's the image that we, comes to mind when we think of the that tour. So the other name for the tour is the Destroyer Tour, mm-hmm. which obviously was following the Alive Tour. Okay, from 75, which started in 75 and went into 76. So it's not really the 1976 tour because Alive bled into the beginning of 76. And by the fall, 76, the Destroyer Tour turned into the Rock and Roll Over Tour. Right. So it's in between those. And there's a lot of bleeding of songs in between those. And um, it's quite interesting about uh you know when this falls and how to describe it if we if you stick to spirit of 76 it's it's easier to to kind of differentiate between the others rather than saying oh the 76 tour right yeah so yes. it's the destroyer tour when they started this tour obviously part of the the thing that we want to describe when we go through these tour episodes obviously is images and things like that but obviously for kiss it's not like like we joke all the time, the Eagles. What did they wear on the uh, the long run tour? <laughs> well, um, John Felder had a pair of jeans and uh, a button down shirt, and uh, Don Henley had a flannel collared shirt, and like you know, it's it is what it is for those guys. With Kiss, you got to go through what did the the stage look like, and also what was their costumes. Why don't we start with the costumes? You want to tell us a little bit about that? So I'm I'm a Love Gun guy. I'm a, I've always been a Love Gun guy. I'm an I'm an Alive Two guy. Love Gun costumes, that whole era. But these costumes and the way they look in them, because the band is so young and they're they're fit and they're young and they just look amazing. I don't look that appetizing though. I'm a little fat in the ass. They're they're not fat in the ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's always going to be Love Gun for me, but, you know, I'll tell you right now, there is a very fine line separating the Love Gun era costumes to these Destroyer era costumes, especially Gene. These may be his best boots. I mean, I, lo- I love the Love Gun boots, but these these boots and that body armor that Gene is wearing and Ace's outfit, um, I think the tiebreaker for me is as cool as Peter and Paul look. Peter just looks fucking badass on Love Gun with the bandoliers across his chest, you know, and that whole thing. And Paul um, with those boots with the chains on them. So I think that that's the tiebreaker. But Ace and Gene are just just unbelievable looking. Okay, so as you say, that's the tiebreaker for you. That's the tiebreaker for me. And the tiebreaker for me goes to Destroyer because I love Peter's outfit. Okay. Yeah, you're right. They're both Jack. I love how they have that open chest. Yep. And they got the arrow pointing down to his supposedly large cock, whatever he's got there, <laughs> that he liked to brag about. And um, I, for me, it's better than the, um, you know, the gun things going across in okay. Love Gun. Uh, I love Paul's. Look, he, he has the body to pull that outfit off. It's yes. The 70s. He's got that Joe Namath Burt Reynolds, hairy <laughs> chest popping out all over the place. 
<laughs> Gene looks cool. He's got too much of a, and, and this is what we joked about in our first intro episode. His cod piece is too big for me. Oh, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy. And love gun. Yeah. But so in, in this, in the other one, it's not as bad because the studs go up to his waist a little bit. Mm-hmm. The love gun one, like, Hey, this is where my love gun is. Take a look. It's a lot more attention given. And then I just, you know, he's still got the bat wings. He's got the spikes. Ace is in a costume that fits a little more in the space out there. I loved Peter's hairdo too at the time. The salt and, and pepper. We're talking about the hair. The salt and salt, pepper and the yep. parted long. He's got the friggin', uh, I don't know what, the Carol Brady slash Mrs. Partridge hairdo there. A but feathered it, hairdo? <laughs> yeah, it looks pretty good. Yeah. And just, you know, like Paul can pull that off. He's got the body for it. He's in great shape. Yep. It just, those costumes are iconic. You're right. I, I get that you like the Gene you know, the chest uh, chain on Love Gun and stuff and the boots for Paul. I just, for me, these out, this costume is probably top notch. Yeah, it, it's it's hard to argue because I think most people, I know you, a lot of people love the Super Kiss Dynasty costumes. Those are super flamboyant and crazy and they are cool in their own way. But a lot of people do kind of go between the Love Gun and the Destroy era. You got some people out there too that love that early Alive where they barely had costumes, but in terms of their first full-blown, like, super outfits, that these Destroyer outfits are just uh, just amazing, for sure. Yeah, they're top-notch, one yeah. way or the other. I mean, there's, I've never heard anybody say, ah, oh, I like them. <laughs> exactly, right. right? Yep. So yep. that's the costumes. Now, what about the stage? You want to tell us about the setup they did? So, they, I mean, mind you, not everything was from the beginning. So even the costumes in the beginning of the tour were still, they were still wearing the Alive stuff. I think for a portion of the tour and then they transitioned into destroyer stuff. Yeah. And it's funny because real quick, I think that led to uh, some early artwork for the destroyer album cover had them wearing those alive costumes. Yeah. And, and, and then it, then it switched to the cover that we know now with the, the destroyer costumes that we know now. So it's interesting looking, doing some, some research on the, on the destroyer tour stage set because wow. There's not a lot of footage of this, if if any. A lot of the stuff that you see on the DVDs that we have on Kissology, it's all a live era, and then it goes into like you know rock and roll over Love Gun stuff. So this this I have some I, I found some really good research on on some specific details on this stage, and it's fucking insane, and it's it pretty much makes sense about why it didn't continue past this tour. So. So this this stage set, it was the first one that they used that had a, a raised raised platforms and like staircases, which would continue, which um, became a staple for other yeah, yep. bands, right? Exactly. Yep. So th- the concept for the stage was going to be like an apocalyptic scene where each band member had their own kind of little setup. So. It, it, parts of the stage uh, uh, to represent each member. So like there's destroyed buildings, the, the, the ground is, is broken up into different pieces. So this had a drum riser with, with uh, for Peter Chris with two, six foot cats on each side with green glowing eyes. Okay. That's the one that Ed's got some photos. Some yep. Ed yep. from click T shops. Got some posters of that, uh, that t-shirts of that design. That's right. 
Then there were little platforms on each side where each band member would stay. Ace's platform was meant to look like a lunar space, like mountain kind of scenery. Gene's platform, which is fucking unbelievable. And I urge you to Google this stuff to see these pictures. Gene's platform that he would stand on. It looked like he was inside of like this Gothic castle, like, like, like a vampire's castle. And there would be blood and there would be fog and there would be sections of it that would look like it was crumbling. Then spaced out amongst the stage were these three like electric, like light towers. And supposedly those were designed to make it look like lights that you would find on like the New York, New Jersey highways from like Detroit Mm -hmm. rock city with the car crashes and everything. Then you had the floor aces side of the stage floor was supposed to look like the surface of the moon. Gene's side of the stage was supposed to look like cracked earth, you know, like the cover destroyer, like all like a wasteland. And it was over to the side. There was like a creepy like tree that looked like it was from like a cemetery or a graveyard. If you notice, I haven't mentioned anything about Paul. <laughs> and that's because Paul gets Paul gets a little screwed on this setup. Really? Paul was supposed to have a section of the stage that was supposed to be uh, was supposed to be filled with all multicolored jewels and encrusted with like mirrors and just kind of like very, you know, star child ish. But they said it was, it was was too cumbersome. I think it cost too much money. It was too busy to put together. Meanwhile, I don't know how that's any busier than a fucking castle for Gene to hang out (laughs) in at the top of it. And then they, then to finish it off to make it even more insane above the stage, they had these clouds. They looked like they were clouds and inside the clouds were lightning bolts. So the lights would light up to make it look like it was like thundering and lightning. And that's where they would drop confetti at the end of the at the end yeah. of the show. And the bolts, when they would when the bolts would go off, they would go off in red, white, and blue colors because it was the spirit of 76 American flag, like US colors. So I urge you to take a look, Google online. The stage set, it sounds like it's amazing, but I'm gonna tell you right now, it's pretty fucking cumbersome looking. It looks like there's like a like a carnival going on. And we love KISS, but to me. This is a little bit too much. It's over the top and it's their first experiment with like a really flamboyant, crazy over the top show. I think they tapered down a little bit for Love Gun with the risers and a lot of what they did. I think their intent was good on this and it was extremely creative and it looks cool, but I think it's a little bit over the top in my opinion. So let's think about this. Yeah. They went from Alive finally becoming a hit to all of a sudden now they're touring. Detroit Rock, um, Destroy It comes out Destroy didn't sell like crazy off the top, but he right. did put him into a stratosphere that they never been in. But that was when Beth came out and yep. Beth didn't come out till late. It was like the f- fourth single, I believe after Detroit rock city didn't sell, they flipped it over and made Detroit rock city, the B side and Beth was the A side. So they're going from like probably a small crew with newbies and stuff like that. When they first start out to now, on the fly, trying to become a professional, huge ideas and do it on the fly because Alive stops the tour and they go right into Destroyer tour. So it's not like, you know, when Kiss stopped doing After Revenge and they did Unplugged and then they planned the reunion and they planned it out and they had the time and money in the back. They went right through into this. And I think that's what the problem is. They they. And they hadn't earned that yet. I think they get it when they get to rock and roll over in the Love Gun tours, but they're not there yet. So there was a lot of crash and burn and a lot of growing pains to get them to where they needed to be. So 
and he, and you know, there's a lot of information there about the cost and how they scaled back when they scaled back and the revenue. And so I read a lot of stuff. God bless Julian Gill and kiss FAQ. I had a fucking headache. <laughs> you want to read that stuff? Go to that website. You'll probably read tons of shit about it. I, I'm not, we're not doing it here. We're not going to be doing when we're talking about the tours, how much money they grossed in uh, mobile Alabama. You know, we're, that's not us. So we're not as the timer goes off because that timer is for me to book my kiss cruise. So let's pause right here and we'll be right back. And we're back. <laughs> okay. Kramer. Uh, so, so, uh, I did book my tickets and I'm done. I'm ready for the cruise. Uh, they changed things around. It's nice that they give us the premium beverage package for free. So the only thing we have to pay is the gratuity on that. So you're paying 20%, I think of a hundred bucks, which is 20 bucks a day to fucking drink all you want all so, day. So the premium beverage pack, does that, does that include Bush or Milwaukee's <laughs> best? <laughs> Includes Gene Simmons soda. <laughs> yeah, Gene Simmons. And fucking Ace Frehley vodka. <laughs> Ace Frehley fucking cold gin yeah. is fucking the best on the market. Um, oh, God. So as we were saying, like, we're not going to be doing the, uh, you know, the ticker take. How many people showed up in this con- the, the concert tour? How much did they pull in for this? I'll leave that to the kiss nerds. I, I just, I, I don't even want to fathom to think about doing shit like that. But what we can do is we can talk a little bit about the tour dates, mm-hmm. where they went. Obviously, the big thing is the set list. And we're going to pick out a couple handful of, you know, uh, tour dates and talk about them specifically. And, and go from there. So we talked about the costumes. We talked about the stage. The tour itself. There's a couple different competing dates. Okay. For the the tour dates. I've got, you know, you got Wikipedia, which says that the tour, which, you know, bled in from basically the Alive tour. Goes into the Destroyer tour in Spirit of 76 tour, April 23rd, 1976, Kitchener. I think that's Ontario, right? Ontario, yep. Yeah, in Canada, April 23rd. Yep. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, so uh, that's that you're right. There's it's there's some conflicting information because of the, like you said, the run in from the Alive tour into the Destroyer tour. Um, because it really wasn't that big of a break. I think the break was that I think the thing that differentiated the two was <clears throat> the costumes and this insane stage show. You know what I mean? So they did they did Yeah, fix- because Tom, just to add on that. Yeah. If you go to Setlist, so we use like Setlist FM. Yep. You know, obviously Wikipedia and stuff. But Setlist FM has April 13th Kiss at Utica Memorial Auditorium in that's in New York as the opening um, uh, opening uh, excuse me, concert venue for the tour, 
and then you see some R also says April twenty third. So you can tell them because Beck, this isn't this isn't what the Kiss is doing now or most bands do now. They release an album, tour on that album for a year and a half or two years, and then they do another album, then they go back on the tour. Kiss was releasing album after album after album and consistently touring, like a lot of the bands did in the seventies. Yep. So it's kind of you know one tour bleeds into the next, as we were talking about between the costumes, the stage setup, all that stuff, and the tour dates here they're a little bit conflicting. So go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, and so the so the tour dates it encompasses, uh, you know, the problem with Wikipedia and Setlist.fm is that they're both like user like aggregated, but. Setlist.fm is great, but but the problem with a tour that you're talking about that's 45 years old is the accuracy of it. So a lot of times I I know people laugh, but I do go to Wikipedia for this. Setlist.fm is great too. Um, But they're saying that the tour officially started April 23rd, 76, ended September 12th. Um, They did a a total of 57 shows. The set list varies here quite dramatically. Um, The beginning half of the tour had a kind of a format with a couple mixed in. And then the second half of the tour had a different set list with a couple mixed in. Yeah. And I've got all that shit that we're going to get to. Yep. You know, throughout this set list, I mean, this tour date. So as you said, April 23rd, 1976, Tom, September 12th, 1976, which goes into eventually the rock and roll over tour. Right. Yep. Okay. One of the other interesting things is, and this is another thing that we can talk about and it's going to be part of our, you know, our tour uh, episodes, opening opening bands. So let's read off some of the bands. Okay. So, so again, this is Wikipedia. So there are different, there's different information here where they had um, no opening acts on some. Yeah. They had, they had cheap trick for a few. They had scorpions for a few. Um, they had Bob Seeger for a lot. That was a popular double bill. Bob Seeger and the silver bullet band, Jay Giles. Bob Seger was the primary opening act on this entire tour. Mm-hmm. You know, they had uh, Johnny Winter, Blue Oyster Cult 38 Special for one. But the the overriding opening band was Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. So that would have been a fucking unbelievable show because I love Bob Seger. You got UFO. Okay. Kansas. Yep. Ted Nugent. Yep. 38 Special. You, got- you said Blue Oyster Cult. And you got Artful Mo- Dodger. And I also see Montrose here too, but I don't have yep. a I don't have a date for that. I just see that as a one of the opening bands that Paul I don't Fulham know who wrote. Point Blank is. Yeah, um, I don't know, I don't know them either. Finch, uh, Stray, something called Hoa Bin. <laughs> what the? That's in Belgium. Stars. Star. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Moon Pie. <laughs> And and that's really it. And so yeah, Montrose on another one as well. I'm you, me and you are together. We're going to a concert. Who do you want to see as the opening band for this tour? Oh, for by, only pick one. What's by, your pick? By far, Bob Seger. I've I've actually seen Bob Seger in concert. My wife and I saw Bob Seger in concert in like the mid '90s when he was still touring at uh, in the at the Garden in Boston. I love Bob Seger, and this was kind of still kind of like the early rise of, of, you know, before he really took off. Cause it was kind of like late seventies, you know, 80 when he took off. So 76 was still kind of the early incarnation, but I would have loved to have seen him in that energy, which is fun. Which is interesting because I'm looking at scorpions in 76. I don't want to see the scorpions in 76. I don't want to see the scorpions ever. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. 
on, <laughs> dude. I I like the Scorpions. I think they got some great songs. Oh, I know. I'm in the minority there. I know. Um, but the only other, you know, obviously Bob Seger. But I am too wondering about Bob Seger whether. You know, what songs do I know from Bob Seger at that age? That's what but I mean. This, but then there's Cheap Trick. But that's a, that's early Cheap Trick, too. I know. Like Jay Giles. That's early. That's before even, like, when I knew them because they're a Boston band. Yeah. Um, Freeze Frame and stuff like that. I don't even think Love Stinks was out by then. No, it wasn't. And early Montrose, early Ted. I mean, Ted Nugent was probably big at yeah. that time. You know? Nugent in 76 was probably the biggest one, probably, of those. M- yeah, maybe. Blue Oyster Cult, they didn't even have that. You know, I don't know if they were doing uh, what they were doing then or what songs came out. But overall, I would probably say, Tom, I would probably go Bob Seger. If I'm looking at, I'm not saying this is him in 76. I'm saying in general. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But in 76, I'll probably stick to Bob Seger. Let's say I want to see Seger in the 70s. That'd be probably pretty great. Yep. Um, So... You know, the general set list consists of Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime World, Let Me Go Rock and Roll, Strutter, Hotter Than Hell, Cold Gin, Nothing to Lose, Shout It Out Loud, Do You Love Me, God of Thunder, Rock and Roll All Night, Deuce, Firehouse, Black Diamond, with Flaming Youth, and you know, watching you jumping in here and there. I've got some set lists from certain shows, Tom, that I wanted to kind of go over with you. That's so, the general consensus. Now, see, that's interesting because what I'm looking at on setlist.fm is the set list that you just read and the set list that's provided on Wikipedia is the set is that standard set list for the second half of this tour. Because yeah. the because the early part of the tour had this for a set list. Yeah, I have all the dates and I have specific shows. Okay. If you want to just go through do, so you want to start with, do you have the one for the Kitchener set? Which is I April do. April 23rd, the opening night. You're looking at Deuce. Yep. Strutter. Flaming Youth. Hotter Than Hell. Firehouse. Nothing to Lose. Cold Gin. Shout It Out Loud. 100,000 Years. Black Diamond. Detroit Rock City. Rock and Roll All Night. And Let Me Go Rock and Roll. What's interesting here is you got to remember... Detroit Rock City, I mean, Destroy It comes out. The first two singles are what? If you if you know, the first two singles are Shouted Out Loud and Flaming Youth. Ridiculous. So <laughs> that's why those two songs hit the set list first. Yep. Not even Detroit Rock City. So if you go a couple days earlier, even in the what's deemed the alive portion of the tour in, in April, Detroit Rock City's not in there, but Shouted Out Loud and Flaming Youth are. Because those are the first two singles. Right. And, and then they was, this, start adding. Yeah. And this was the early days of Destroyer. So Beth wasn't even a hit yet. No, Beth doesn't even show up in Destroyer tour. At right. All. Which is mind blowing. In, uh, in the spirit of 76 tour. So right. from this, the Kitchener, there's seven songs from Kiss, three from Destroyer, two from Hotter Than Hell, and one from uh, Dress to Kill. Remember, there's only four albums. So Dress to Kill is really the last studio album. And then only has one song, Rock and Roll Night. And overall, they're not playing a big set list. I mean, it's they're doing 14 songs, roughly. Which, for a band with four albums, I guess that's kind of standard. Because right now, they do about 20 on the end of the road tour. But you think, so, about, the, you think about that. Four full albums. 
and they're doing only 14 songs. Yeah. Here's another one, Tom. So now they're off. They start the tour in North America, Canada, and United States. The second leg, they go into Europe. So I've got the May 16th set list in London. Yeah, got that here too. Yep. Do you, do you want to read yours? Go ahead. The, the May 16th at the Hammersmith Odeon in London, England. Yep. So they got Deuce, Strutter, Flaming Youth, Hotter Than Hell, Firehouse, Nothing to Lose, Cold Gin, Shout It Out Loud, Bass Solo with Gene Spitting Blood into God of Thunder, 100,000 Years, Black Diamond, Detroit Rock City, Rock and Roll All Night, Let Me Go Rock and Roll. So there's 14 songs. Set list makes it 15 because of the they count bass solos. Bit, right. Yep. All right. You got Kiss with seven. Now Destroyer's up to four. Harder Than Hell, still two. Dress to Kill, still one. But what's interesting about this is, Tom, I have a bootleg copy of this. Okay. And so I checked my bootleg, thanks to Mr. GC. Very much appreciated, buddy. Yes. Very much appreciated. GC's uh, the man. I've got a lot of these bootleg songs. So I compared the FM set list to what I have for bootleg to prove what's there. And that set list, the London one, Tom, has she on it. So where does that fit in? Well, that's the that's the problem with that's the problem with setlist.fm, especially when you're talking about something that's 45 years old. The yeah. accurate the accuracy is gonna be very questionable. So that's that's the London set. Now that London one's May, I think the May 16th one. Yep. So I've got another one. I'm not gonna get into so much the tracks, but June 3rd, they're in Munich. Before you get into June 3rd, let me let me jump in here real quick because then mm-hmm. they go they, they go to Germany on May 19th and they throw in Parasite. Which so, is my point. Okay, sorry, go so ahead. So that no, no, no. What I'm saying is this is my point. I don't know how much of that's reliable because Throughout the FM set list, there's always one or two every once in a while of a song that pops up. Yep. So I've seen things as much as rock bottom. I saw one concert set list that had anything for my baby. I saw yep. one with you know room service. Like, what the fuck is that? Like, but I don't you, know how much of this is believable. But you know what's interesting? Real quick, before you continue here, I think the thing that's the, the I think the reason we have such a difficult time comprehending that that it may be real is because the Kiss we know today would never vary their set list. No bands now, you most bands will drop in one or two or three change ups in their set list. So looking at this. It's like, yeah, okay, they they took out this, they threw in she on May 28th when they were in Sweden. Or they, you know, they threw in Lover All I Can on one of them, or they threw in anything. That's believable. Whether or not it's accurate, our brain is telling us this is KISS. They don't do that. So we're like, oh, it's got to be setlist.fm. They can't be real. Yeah, exactly. And that's the problem, Tom. Yep. Um, so what I was gonna get to is move it further down on the European tour. Okay. And then you're getting into June 3rd where they end up back in Munich. And mm-hmm. You get the Scorpions open up. It's the same set list, except for mine now has nothing to lose become somehow room service, which is what? Mm-hmm. Nothing to lose stayed throughout. And that's why I don't know if that's accurate. Well, well, I got nothing, nothing to lose, to lose still stayed, here. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, um, that was a standard throughout this tour. But all of a sudden, room service comes in. 
I don't nothing, I don't nothing know. to nothing to lose is still for June third in Germany. I still setlist FM is showing nothing to lose, and then room service played after it before shut it out loud. No, so that I believe that what that ended up being, there was something. Then then something got taken out. Oh yeah, I see. What, yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. It has to be for June third for room service to be in there. Oh, nothing to lose is there. Excuse me. Yep. Um, what's the one after? It's number six. So that would be um, Colgin gets taken out for nothing to lose uh, for room service. For room service, yep. Colgin is swapped out. Imagine that. They could be like, okay, we're not doing Colgin. We're going to just play uh, room service out of nowhere. And the previous show before that, June 2nd, Switzerland, it was nothing to lose. Then she, then the next night, it's nothing to lose room service. You so know they what I mean? picked a set, a spot in the set list. Let's switch up these songs, see what picks up. Which is what most bands do. <laughs> Which is why we're so fascinated by this because this isn't what they do. And then, and then not and, anymore. And then a few shows later in Wait, Belgium. What, what concert? You're still, uh, in, you're still in Europe? Yep, June 6th. A few days later, after nothing to lose, they got anything for my baby. And then, the, and then the next night, I'm sorry, I take that back. We'll stop because then, we, then when they take a break and they go back to the U.S. on July 3rd. Okay. So the next one that I looked at, that I found curious was July 10th. Yep. And that's at Roseville Stadium in New Jersey. They got Jay Giles, Bob Seeger, and point, I don't know who point blank is again, um, doing um, the opening acts. This is when things change. Yes. They're in New York. I mean, they're in the United States. All of a sudden, Detroit Rock City leaves the encore. And for the first time, probably in God knows how long ever, Detroit Rock City becomes the opening song of a Kiss concert. And I think that may have something to do with the fact that the album was starting to take off and people like, shit, this song Remember, is a, if, this, if you, this song's a killer. Detroit Rock City didn't even fucking, um, what do you call it, as a single, didn't even chart. That's right. why it was so bad that they flipped it over and started selling Beth. So... But it became maybe a cult hit, but it didn't become a radio hit. So Detroit Rock City opens up. And supposedly from this, you know, July 10th, 1976 concert, first time they played King of the Nighttime World. Awesome. That enters the service. So you go Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime World. Let me go rock and roll, which was always part of the last few songs or the encore. All of a sudden, that's number three. Colgin. Shout it out loud is still in there. Strutter, nothing to lose. Do you love me comes in at number eight. First time supposedly that's ever played. And then look what's next. Watching you. Oh. God of Thunder, Flaming Youth. Encore. For some reason, this set list, this 15 songs is usually 14, but they did four encores. Deuce, Firehouse, Black Diamond, Rock and Roll All Night becomes the last song. Crazy. That, that, that's, a, that's a great set list. And you could see that the band, like you said, they were probably getting a feeling out from the audience about what was going on. Um, and the album was was taken off a little bit more, too. The album had been out a little bit more. So they were like, shit, Detroit Rock City, that's a fucking banger of a song. We got to open up with that. So now you're going, Tom, when you look at the beginning, they did. I mean, this has 15 songs. Yeah. But the first April 23rd concert, they had seven from the original album, three from Destroyer. Two and one, harder than hell, dressed to kill, respectively. Now, July 10th, still 
two from Harder Than Hell, one from D- Dress to Kill. Now six from Destroyer, six from Kiss. And that makes a lot of sense if you think about it. So whenever you go to see a band and they're touring and they're supporting their new album, if they have a couple albums behind that, they don't usually go heavy on the new album. They they wait a while, you know. They 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 load up the set list with back with with back catalog songs, and they say because what's that age old joke? Oh, this one's from our net our new album. Oh, all right, I'm gonna go take a leak, you know, because yeah. a lot because a lot of times people don't know the new album yet or they don't have it. So this, like I said, the album's been out, so they keep adding a little bit, couple more songs from Destroy to the to the set list. Yeah. The other the next interesting one. There's no set list for this. Yeah. But I thought it's interesting. It was July 11th, 1976. They're at the Cape Cod Coliseum. Now, which I, th- which I think is now the Cape Cod Melody Tent. I don't no, know. Not even close. So the Cape Cod Coliseum used to host hockey games. Oh, God. For minor league hockey. Okay. And at one point, Vince McMahon bought it. What? And he ran the WWF concert uh, wrestling events for there for like eight years. Wow. He sold it to a couple other different companies. Uh, I think the Christmas tree shop, which if you're from Boston and the in Massachusetts and you know anything about Cape Cod, you know the Christmas tree shop. Yep. So I think that was their warehouse, and now it's just office building. But for me and you, it's just a personal thing that we know venues in Cape Cod, and I was like, the Cape Cod Coliseum? Where the fuck is that? I know. And I that's... just read up on it a little bit. I guess it was a 5,000-place um, venue. And there were some big bands that used to always play there. A lot of Boston bands, Aerosmith, Jay Giles performed there. And other big famous acts would always, when they traveled through Massachusetts, that place was the place they go. Now everyone goes to the the Melody Tent. Melody Tent, yeah. If they're doing the Cape Islands stuff. Speaking of venues, if we can pause for a quick second before we continue with the set list kind of uh, examination. I'm looking at both Wikipedia and setlist.fm. This is fucking hilarious. At first, I thought it was a joke, but now it's on both, so it's got to be real. May 4th, 1976, Mount Mount Prospect. They play at the River Trails Middle School <laughs> Gymnasium. <laughs> How is that real? I'm thinking of when my son went to middle school. His gymnasium was barely big enough to even have gym in it. And they set up the destroyer stage in a middle school gym. That is, I know, I know through the painful reading of certain nerd sites that the river, like there are certain places that they went to, they would have to. That's why they started breaking down the set, yeah, and breaking down venues and being like, <laughs> and and they were reading. And I was when I was reading it, they were talking about the, you know, Bill Coin was using the strategy when he was trying to book. Like, wait a minute. Do we make more money doing a one a day in a huge stadium with 40,000? Or we better serve doing hitting three areas, surrounding areas, doing like, you know, 10 to 15,000 seat places and trying to get those filled up than trying to fill up a stadium of 40,000 and not, and not filling up half. So, you know, this might be one of those, hey, we can get 4,000 people into a stadium. Into a show and everyone's going to pay. If 4,000 people fit into the River Trails Middle School Gym, I would be fucking blown away. I am looking at it now, Tom. There is a River Trails Middle School uh, website. Mount Prospect. uh, Is it the same one? That's hilarious. Uh, I don't know. I just put River Trails Middle School. How many of those are there, right? Are they famous for having Kiss perform at their gym? Uh, I don't know. They're in (laughs) Illinois, I believe. 
Well, speaking of that too, if we it, it, you talk about the 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 attendance at these, you know, they weren't playing like massive venues. You know what I mean? No, like they, they, they were they, still growing, the, right. growing the fan base. This isn't you know seventy seven, seventy eight kiss. Correct. Right. So right. this is the ascension. Yeah, this exactly. Them at the top. Yep. So exactly. during the ascension, that's where they're at. The next one I want to talk with about Tom is, and I don't know if you're at this stage yet. I wanted to go to is the August 20th, the Anaheim stadium. Do you have anything before that? I think August 20th, I think if I'm correct here, I think that's the one um, that according to Wikipedia, they played to over 42,000 people at that show. Yeah. That was a huge booked event. Yeah. So that's a- my point. Do you want, do you have anything before this to discuss? Nope. Go ahead. Okay. So that has, you know, but look at it though, Tom. They also have Ted Nugent on the bill, probably right. in his prime. Bob Seeger, Montrose. It was like a music that, festival. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Montrose is not on anything else. Those three there and then Kiss in August of 76. So anyway, that set list, you got basically, I'm looking at what was there previous, which was the uh one the one that I read that was in uh the New Jersey Roosevelt. Yep. So, so far I looked at cold gin was number four there. This one strutter comes back in. Yep. Hotter than hell comes back in. God, even, song. even back then they were pushing that fucking horrible song. Yeah. Um, cold gin stays Shout it out loud is there. Do you love me? God of thunder, rock and roll night, deuce firehouse and black diamond. So I think watching you came out. And where's the other one? Oh, by this point, they realized Flaming Youth sucks, and that came out of the set list. And so you're looking at six Kiss album songs, five Destroyer, two Hotter Than Hell, one Dress to Kill. So they're starting to pick up, like, wait a minute. Dress to, uh, D- you know, Detroit Rock City is a hit. Shout Out Loud is still a crowd pleaser. And they haven't even hit Beth, but they realize Flaming Youth is just not going to happen. And that's gone. And it's funny because again, they're still pushing "Let Me Go Rock and Roll." I mean, how "Dress to Kill" one song? I mean, really, like no "Come On and it's, Love Me," no "She," no "Rock Bottom," no. So, as I, I mean, was telling you before, "Come On and Love Me" was still bleeding into what yeah, from, you know. Wikipedia says that it started on this day in April, I think twenty third, but setlist says that you know it started a week earlier. Right. That still had "Come On and Love Me." Yes. So I, I think it was like the last of those songs kind of to leave. And I think she poked its head in a couple times. It did. It did. If you, really, Tom, that was the previous studio album. Right. If you think about it. So they probably, they did obviously the Kiss debut album has got the most and will always have the most in these early days. But they looked at as the next two albums, which ones did the best? They had harder than hell, higher than Dress to Kill, because Dress to, Dress to Kill was the newer of the two, and it's already down to one. That's ama- That's insane. I mean, I, I, you know, it's just it's just funny how looking at these looking at these set lists, they're not that different from now. <laughs> because <laughs> they go back to the classics, the yeah. basics. Exactly. Yeah. Which right. which which you can't you can't blame them for that. But so let me go to the next one that I wanted to read, which is the final one. Do you have anything you want to do before September twelfth, Tom? Nope. Go ahead. Keep okay, going. September 12th. Another one for us uh, in Springfield, the Springfield Civic Center, Massachusetts, Springfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, Artful Dodger was the opening act. 
So this one had Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime World, Let Me Go Rock and Roll, Strutter, Hotter Than Hell, Nothing to Lose, Cold Gin, Shout It Out Loud, Do You Love Me, God of Thunder, Rock and Roll All Night, Deuce, Firehouse, Black Diamond. Guess what? It's the same as the Anaheim Stadium. So you're looking at August 20th to the last of this tour. They remain. They found their niche. Exactly. They kept it. Yep. So you got the six kiss, the five destroyer, the two hotter than hell, and one dress to kill. Yep. They found their groove. Um, and you can't argue with it. But, you know, it's funny. Like I just said, this is 1976. We're looking at 2020 or even the last few shows we saw them in 2016 or whatever. Like, let me go rock and roll and hotter than hell still pushing those songs. Like, uh, I mean, I know, let me, I will say, let me go rock and roll live is, is okay. Harder than hell live is, uh, I don't know. For, for me, I, I'd want to see more from dress to kill, but okay, that's just take a look at me. that set list. What on that set list do you not consider a kiss classic though? Oh, I know. Yeah, no, but I'm just, I'm they're all, they all are right. But when we see, but, but we've been to many concerts, not every band plays just the classics. I understand know? that. But what I'm saying is like, this is still did, a new band. This is still a new band. But they only have four albums. That's, that's why what I mean. Songs that's that's what I. That's what I. That's what I mean. They could have. They could have dug in a little bit deeper with something. But you're right. At that fi- that that time, they found their groove. They were getting fan feedback, and they probably wanted to stick with it. Let's let's also take another step back where you can talk about the fact that we just did a, we just did an episode where we had a compilation, and we called it a starter kiss compilation. I mean, isn't this it? I was just basically they they took out King of the Nighttime World, um, nothing to lose. Yeah, I would say those two in Firehouse three are the least considered. They're still classics, but the least definite classics on this. And they replaced them with basically Love Gun and I Was Made for Loving You. And uh, what was the song off of Rock and Roll Over? Doctor Love. Call him Doctor Love. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. No, you're right. I was actually just going to say the exact same thing. The the starter kit, but this this starter kit makes sense, like you said, because this is fourth album. Um, you know, not not a lot of material to pull from. Um, but you know, at that time, it was a fucking unbelievable set list. At that time, it still is. It still is. Yeah. yeah. The thing that you know, I see. I love this stuff. I love when I get to dive into stuff mm-hmm. and and explore and find stuff on my own. I don't want to know everything there is to know about kiss and then just spit it out to you guys. Like I'm a, like on our podcast as though we're professors and just right. teaching you what we know. I love discovering this stuff. I, you know, we run a kiss podcast, but we don't know everything about kiss. You know, we're, we're more of the music and then, you know, also the characters and stuff. We're not, well, you know, at least I'm not, but you are a little bit more collectors and stuff. We're not experts on, you know, what was Gene's dog in 1978? Right. These kind of things, though, are the stuff that fascinate me. I learned a lot by doing this. How did they start their set list? How did it evolve? What were they doing? You can read into it and discover what the band was doing and how they developed their set list and their favorites and what has become the kiss classics of now where you can see a live ends when come on and love me is in there and other songs. And then other than flaming youth is a constant in the beginning of the set list. And then it fades away. And then all of a sudden King of the nighttime world finally appears. 
And then that stays. Do you love me appears? That stays. And it's just fascinating how Detroit Rock City, all of a sudden, the two opening songs that they've ever do, really, Detroit Rock City and Deuce and the passing of the guard. Here's the torch. Deuce, you're changing. We're taking over Detroit Rock City. Rock and roll all night. Black Diamond, where are you guys going in the set list? Let me go rock and roll. You know, and, you know, the one other thing, too, is, you know, Firehouse, Gene was doing the the uh, fire, breathing the fire, God of Thunder and stuff. Gene is doing his, um, you know, his uh, blood and bass solo. There's bass solos and drum solos all over the place. If 100,000 Years was in a, a set, that's when the drum solo would go. But sometimes it would go right after God of Thunder. Uh, sometimes the guitar solo would go after Cold Gin. It was all over the place. It wasn't standard. I just, I'm amazed. And I like the development of reading how many albums. There's four albums. Who got the songs? And then realizing, holy shit, in the beginning days, 76, they fucking really had one song from Dress to Kill throughout the whole tour. It's amazing. No, you're right. And, and if you've listened to, to our show for a while, you know that we love breaking down set lists or like last week's episode compilation. What should be in there? What can't be in there, et cetera, et cetera. And, and this this is good. Like Zeus said, seeing the evolution of the set list, and the evolution of the openers and the encores. And um, the one thing that sticks out like a sore thumb here, we talked about it already, but no Beth. Not on this tour because nope. it didn't hit. Exactly. At the end in rock and roll over. And that's when Beth took off. That's really them getting to the mountaintop. Exactly. They're still in the Ascension in 76 and the spirit of 76. And that whole, you know, again, we're doing this on the 4th of July. So that whole, you know, patriotic kind of feeling that was in the air during this tour. Yep. And so the other thing that me and Tom are going to do is we're going to come up with our own set list. What would be our set list? So this tour, they did 14 songs. So I kind of want to hear, Tom, what you would pick for your set list. And when we're picking our set list, we're picking from songs that were played during either, an, you know, like I said, Come On and Love Me squeaked in some of the songs in the beginning. It had to have been played during this tour. So, for instance, I love the song Mainline, but Mainline was never played. So I can't put this in my preferred set list of this tour because it was never played. So that being the case, 14 songs, Tom. What did you pick as your 14 songs of your set list for the Spirit of 76 tour? So for me, I like how they evolved with the Detroit Rock City opener um, and the, you know, the closer. Well, see, it's weird because a lot of the a lot of these, you know, some of these set lists here near the end started to have 14, 15 songs, although they do count the bass solo as one. So like a set list right here, this is September 4th, 1976 Civic Arena, Pittsburgh. Okay. I would probably use this as a starter and probably switch out. So I'll read the, I'll read this set list. So this has Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime World, Flaming Youth, Watching You, Hotter Than Hell, Nothing to Lose, Cold Gin, Shout It Out Loud, Do You Love Me, God of Thunder, Rock and roll all night, Deuce Firehouse, Black Diamond. Okay. 14 songs. I would take that and I would probably, I, the thing I like about that is they took out Let Me Go Rock and Roll from this set list. I would keep everything here with the exception of I would probably take out Hotter Than Hell or Cold Gin. 
I like Cold Gin, but both of those songs are kind of plotting when they're played live. So I would probably use that set list right there as a template, and I would throw in either. I know it's kind of cheating because I only played it like once, but I would throw in Lover All I Can and probably Strutter. All right. When did they play Lover All I Can? They did it according to Setlist FM. They did it on, it was way back, I think. Oh, see, now now I got to pull it up here. It was way back in July 3rd, 1976 at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. According to setlist.fm, it was the only time it was played. All right. Do you mind reading me the set list then? Oh, yeah. That was the that was the Pittsburgh Civic Arena. So it would be Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime World, Flaming Youth, Watching You, Strutter, Nothing to Lose, Lover All I Can, Shout It Out Loud, Do You Love Me, God of Thunder, Rock and Roll All Night, Deuce, Firehouse, Black Diamond. That would be my set list. You would leave Flaming Youth in your fucking set list? I don't mind that song. I don't mind. And I think, I think for me, I think for me, it's the novelty of the fact that I've never, I don't, they don't play they a lot. They played it. They played it for, when, when did we see them play it? For was when did, it Rock the Nation? We saw them play it. I think oh. it might've been, I think it might've been Rock the Nation. And you're right. Talking about that tour. And I can't wait to cover that. Cause that was a varied set list. That was an yeah. interest. That was a, a creative set list. Yeah. So for me, Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime World, Strutter, Colgin, Nothing to Lose, God of Thunder, Shout It Out Loud, Watching You, Firehouse, Do You Love Me, End of the Set, Black Diamond, Encore, Deuce, Let Me Go Rock and Roll, Rock and Roll All Night, 14 songs. Nice. So, yeah, and these are all standards. They played these songs all throughout the tour. Watching You probably got played played a few times, but didn't play a lot. And King of the Nighttime World came on towards the end, and so did Do You Love Me. That's the set list I would have gone with, okay? And again, these are our preferred set lists based upon what was actually played during the tour. Yep. So that's our uh, set list ideas. So uh, I, I had a lot of fun with this. I, I love this idea, and I can't wait to hit more tours. And, uh, and eventually, what we should do is put rate these tours against each other. Oh, we will, but you're right. This is a, this is a great another uh, rotating, recurring themed episode where we review tours all the way down to costume, stage, set list, et cetera, et cetera. So co- again, kudos to Murph for kind of giving us the inspiration, then uh, us kind of taking the taking the reins from it and turning it into this. So we hope you guys enjoy this. So because uh, it was it's a lot of fun to kind of dig into this. Yeah. So. Next, we go to questions. You got something for us? I do. So this question required a little bit of research, which I have. So I'm going to read the question. I'm going to give him a little bit of the answer, and then we can kind of talk about it because it is is interesting. So this is from Luis Fernando in Brazil. He says, I always think the song Rock and Roll Hell was Gene talking about Ace, but then someone told me its lyrics was not written by Gene, but by Brian Adams. But then I think Brian knew what everything was going on. Can you tell me anything about it? Thanks and hugs from Brazil. Okay. So Jim Valance was a co-writer of rock and roll hell. And Jim Valance has a website called jimvalance.com. And he spends a lot of time getting into this. So it's a pretty interesting story. Yeah. So he says in 1979, 
Brian Adams' manager asked him to write a song for Bachman Turner Overdrive. Terrible band, almost as bad as ELO. So he wrote a song called Rock and Roll Hell and gave it to BTO and they put it on their album. It is terrible. If you want to hear it, go listen to it. It's horrible. <laughs> so uh, Jim says, fast forward a few years to 1982. Brian Adams and myself got a call from producer Michael James Jackson asking if we'd be interested in writing a song for Kiss Creatures of the Night. Jim says he wasn't a big Kiss fan, but whatever. So he says him and Brian wrote two songs for Kiss, one called War Machine, and then they reworked his original version of Rock and Roll Hell and gave it new lyrics and a slower, heavier feel to the song that we know today. This is when it gets funny, and it kind of brings back some of what we talked about last week with the compilation. Not long afterwards, they got a call from Gene Simmons. From Kiss! (laughs) Gene said that he loved both of the tracks and Kiss were definitely interested in them, but there was one problem. Rock and Roll Hell needed an extra verse. They were confused because the song was already written and they told Gene that. Then Gene said very slowly, you don't understand. The song needs an extra verse and I'm going to write it. (laughs) Suddenly it dawned on us. Gene was trying to tell us Kiss would not record our song unless his name appeared as a co-writer for songwriting credits and royalties on an album that was predicted to sell a lot. And anybody that tells you that they want less money in life, be suspicious of this person. This is a liar. In the end, Gene did write a verse which appears in the song, and to his credit, he only requested a modest share of the royalties. Then Jim says, I'm not bitter, I'm simply being philosophical. The truth is, when it came to negotiation and intimidation, Gene was much more skilled than we were. You're in the kiss business, baby. That is a fucking great story. And I credit Louise for asking us to even get into that. So there's your answer. Zeus, thoughts on the <laughs> thoughts on the, exactly. You're laughing because go ahead. No, it's just it's Gene. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like how Elvis gets writing credits on heartbreak hotel and things like that. They yeah. know where the money's at publishing yep. and writing stuff. So he figures a way to get his name out there and, uh, add it to, you know, the song, good songs. But, you know, I thought they sat in a room and wrote the songs together. <laughs> Apparently not. Apparently not. It, that was very, it was interesting. I knew that Brian Adams wrote war machine. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't know anything about rock and roll hell. So again, credit to uh, Louise from Brazil. Thank you for that question. Cause we learned a little bit about it too. Hope you guys learned something too. Cause I thought that was some fun trivia, but it made me think of last week's episode Zeus, when we were talking about the song breakdown on the compilation and how you kept, you, you brought up songwriting credits and you're right. That's where the money is. So Gene's like, I'll take your song, but I'm going to write one or two words in it so that it can have Gene Simmons as a co-writer. That's so. where a lot of those guys do it. They just yep. get their name on it. Yep. But lots of times, like, you know, people realize, like, hey, this is how much I'm going to get. You gave me a lyric or you gave me a thought idea. And people are courteous about that stuff. Other times, people are just like, what are you talking about? I did that song by myself. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know? Exactly. I think all that stuff is fascinating. Yep. So uh, I, that's a great question. So thank you for that. It was. Tom, where, where can people find us? 
All right, so we got an email address, shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Please send emails, questions, comments, concerns, critiques, pros, cons, love, hates, whatever. We read them all. We do our best to respond to them either via email or on the show right here. Uh, we're on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're all over the place with that. Um, our show can be heard uh, pretty much everywhere. We're part of the great Pantheon podcast family with his tons of other uh, really great uh, rock, metal, pop, hip hop shows. Everything's out there. Um, so check us out. If you're listening to us on one podcast platform and you can't find us on a, a different one that you prefer, let us know. Um, but we're pretty much we're pretty much out there everywhere. And Zeus uh, talked earlier about our good buddy Ed from Click T Shop who sells awesome Kiss inspired gear um, as well as shouted out Loudcast gear. Um, not just t-shirts, but everything from hats, accessories, coffee mugs, pillowcases, blankets, whatever, you name it. So check out Ed. He's a great guy and he uh, has a great business with really, really cool designs. Yeah. Um, I've actually earlier today ordered something, uh, Ooh, a friend nice. of ours. Yeah. I bought our own t-shirt, Tom, for a friend of ours. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if that's really something good, but okay. you know, um, they, they, they deserve it. So uh, yeah, Ed is a great guy and he helps us out a lot. And um, I'd like to uh, thank him for all that he does for us. And Pantheon, they're a great host and company. They do have some great shows. And, you know, you mentioned all the platforms, but, you know, we still like, and the thing that I push besides direct messages from, you can direct message us on Twitter, Facebook, or, um, or Instagram. Uh, Instagram, absolutely anytime. Uh, we appreciate it. The five star, star. child reviews. Um, we appreciate those on anything from, you know, Stitcher, Spotify, but mostly from iTunes. Those help us a lot. It pushes us out there. And then in addition to that, Podchaser. So, you know, we get reviews. And then the other big thing, as Tom mentioned, is our email. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. We read all the emails. We read a lot of the, you know, the feedback that we get. And sometimes, you know, it, it's, you know, we're lucky that most of it, if not all, is positive. But occasionally we'll get positive with a couple comments in there. Hey, you know, I don't like the way, you know, Zeus's breath smelled on the on the episode. <laughs> uh, you know, Tommy was annoying today. Zeus was a bozo today or Whatever, but most of the time it's positive. But sometimes, you know, we get comments all the time like, oh, my God, you know, just talk more, less less clips or, you know, too many clips or too little clips. Add some more jokes. Everything you guys say to us, we do discuss. So it's not like we ignore anything like that. But, you know, we, we try to take that all into account and go from there. So much appreciated. Please Keep them coming, the emails. And uh, thank you, Tom. Oh, absolutely. No. Oh, my, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, no, thank you. Like Zeus said, you know, we say it every week, but if you're a new listener, you know, we do this for because we love Kiss, but we do it because we want to share that with everybody out there. And so far, it's proven to be a lot of fun with you guys and with us. We're all a big Kiss family. And, uh, you know, we enjoy the interaction because without that, it wouldn't be half as fun. So, Keep that up. And like Zeus said, if you have concerns, thoughts, ideas, uh, episode ideas, you know, um, special things that we haven't talked about that maybe you'd like to see us do, talk to us about it. Bring it to our attention any way possible. And we'll, uh, we will, we will 
discuss it either on the air or you know amongst each other here, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll cover it if we can. Yeah. So thank you for that, Tom. Famous last words. Don't let them tell you that there's too much noise. They're too old to really understand. You'll still get rowdy with the girls and boys because it's time for you to take a stand. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You got to add the yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I've got some really deep lyrics for you, Tom. Very deep. So, you know, try not to get emotional. I'll try. Hot, hot, (laughs) hotter than hell. You know she's going to leave you well done. Hot, hot, hotter than hell. Burn you like the midday sun. Woo. That's brilliant. That's yeah. poetry. Fucking Lennon, McCartney, Dylan. Stanley, Simmons. <laughs> Pandemic Paul. Oh, oh, God. Yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening to my rant. I'll try to, I'll try to, as long as he keeps giving me the ammo, I'm going to keep coming at him. But we love Paul. We love Kiss, but he's easy to make fun of. So, Tom, thank you. Kiss Army, thank you. Everybody, I hope everyone has a great, safe 4th of July. And God bless and happy birthday, United States of America. Zeus, thank you. Kiss Army, thank you. And uh, I echo Zeus's sentiments. Everybody have a safe and fun weekend. Happy birthday, United States. God bless America. God bless everybody. Stay safe, be well, and have fun. Peace out, Girl Scout. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.